Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer, This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Rob McCarron. Should we begin with the puking or should we begin with the topics that will change the face of WWE forever? Jeff Hawkins. We are not here to talk about Curtis Hughes. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Nobody's listening for hockey talk. Expect everything so that nothing comes unexpected. Norton Juster, Fanton Tollbooth. It is easier to make our wishes conform to our means than to make our means conform to our wishes. Robert E. Lee. Greetings, kids. Post-WrestleMania hangovers happening right now. Shake them ropes. Today, we'll go over very exciting Raw, I thought, and also match number 39 on our top 100 matches to see before you die. Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero from Hostile City Showdown 1995. Rob, as I was getting ready my thoughts together before watching Raw, I was thinking about the past two years we've done WrestleMania and the Raw after WrestleMania. And we've both had our expectations raised, I would say. We, we thought it was a new era, maybe a new birth. We had hope for new things. Two years ago, it was Daniel Bryan among, and Cesaro. Last year, it was Seth Rollins kind of shaking up the top of the card when we were all kind of expecting Roman Reigns. This year, we came out of WrestleMania kind of confused. And the show after... WrestleMania, the Raw, was okay, but it really didn't defy any expectations. And then we hit a home run on the second show, whereas usually we see, start seeing cracks in the armor in this second show. And it was very, very exciting. But on my way to work today, I fell into kind of a malaise. It was very, very weird. And it came from a tweet. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you're feeling really good after watching a WWE show you thought was really, really strong and you're excited to talk about and then kind of reality hits you in the face. Cameron tweeted a picture of Zack Ryder and Emma sitting alone in catering, watching the show on multiple TVs and, you know, kind of looking down, I would think. And it just depressed me for no good reason because you think back to less than two weeks ago and he was having such a great moment and in a perfect world I would package him and Heath Slater in a heel tag team but just it 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 made me rethink everything I wrote in my raw review have you ever had a moment like that um well what happens and hello everyone thanks for listening um after we do a show and I feel good about the show and then we get the feedback coming in is usually my like, Oh my God, just send me away. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I saw the picture and it was, Oh God, Zack Ryder just looks sad from the yeah. back. Like you don't even see Zack Ryder. You see him from the back and he looks sad. He, he had this huge moment last, uh, last week at WrestleMania. He had the match on raw, pretty high profile match on raw. And then he's back to, uh, back to sitting and watching the show and catering. 
with everyone else who's not booked for the show with, you know, the Camerons of the world. And he, he's kind of, his time is up again all of a sudden after only a month. But we've talked about this now for, you know, a month that Zack Ryder, his moment was WrestleMania. It was a great moment. It's a moment that a lot of people don't get. So he really at WrestleMania, he peaked higher than a lot of people who ever worked for WWE. So I don't necessarily get sad for it. I mean, mm. he had an incredible run. Just, you know, it was short, but it was quite the run here in the last month. And yeah, he's just back to back to what he was doing. You you kind of wish that some guys who really try and try to get themselves over and actually kind of do would get a little bit more of a chance. But that's not ever going to be Zack Ryder. As much as people talk about how Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are destined to wrestle forever, Zack Ryder is destined to get a month run and then go away. Yeah, I I watched SmackDown. And that match was really, really good with The Miz. And you look at it in the big picture and you realize, oh, it was all just a plot device to get Maurice back on TV. And you're like, okay, and they're just going to move on. And But the other part of me is thinking, are we Zack Ryder in this scenario the past couple years where we've had that great moment where we're excited about wrestling again only for things to go back in the status quo? Yeah, I but, mean, are we are we are we building up maybe this Shane thing? Hey, let let's let's look at it this way. First of all, you talked about how WrestleMania was last week, and that weekend was incredible. And then you had the Postmania Raw, which is okay. It, it wasn't. It didn't have the high energy afterwards that a lot of the other post WrestleMania Raws have had ever since Brock Lesnar came back. Um, maybe one of the more low key Postmania Raws. But then you had Raw last night, which was the best Postmania Raw ever. It was great. I mean, it was that, absolutely great. You had, you had storyline yeah. development throughout the show. You had now as much as people are going to talk about how, you know, why do I care about WrestleMania matches or why do I care about any steps if Shane McMahon's just going to keep running raw when Vince was all against it, which is the whole reason for the undertaker match is that Vince didn't want to give up power on raw. And now here he is voluntarily doing it uh, as much as may, maybe people will talk about that. You have the excitement with Shane McMahon. You have the new uh, the new stars coming in and coming up from the uh, from the developmental roster. You have some change over there. I mean, hell, this must have been the best Raw of all time for you because you had the WWE Tag Team Title Tournament, <laughs> Mister I Love Tag Teams. Uh, you have some fun stuff going on. You had Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles, which is I would dare say a relative dream match. You have. And you still have the Roman Reigns thing going on, but you have intrigue with Roman Reigns. Like, mm -hmm. you know, this guy's being dismissive to certain people while he's embracing others. I mean, talk about Bray Wyatt's kind of an interesting character because now, you know, they're the good guys fighting off the League of Nations. And, you know, you are interested to see in Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt teaming up. Uh, you can talk about how things may not make sense all the time, but as far as entertainment value, last night's Raw was, was one of the better ones. I found myself, thinking after the three and a half hours the show always is like oh that went that went by quickly when raw never does that for me anymore it's always oh my god i just can't believe i'm still watching the show at 10 o'clock it feels like five hours um and that's not to say i dislike watching raw because i don't obviously i do enjoy watching the show uh you can be an ardent supporter of the show and still know it's way too long and way too much time devoted mm -hmm. to this uh this one show on a monday night but last night's Raw went by quickly. I thought it was a, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, for me, I think the key was the lack of exposition and McMahon's bogging down the story. Shane McMahon was basically a babyface commissioner from the territories 
who comes in and just kind of he, he's kind of a, a a through line. He he just keeps the story moving. It, it, it's almost I, I I almost likened it to the Mad Max movie this past year, which didn't have a lot of exposition or subplot to it. It just kind of went straight forward at you, and everybody went along for the ride. But it was varied. Bray Wyatt is a fascinating babyface right now. He the is, tag yeah. the, the the tag team tournament is going to be interesting. And you had two, for lack of a better term, Bola style matches, Battle of Los Angeles matches in Los Angeles. You had the uh, Kevin Owens versus, um, oh man, how did I blank so quick? Cesaro match, and and that was interesting in its own right. Yeah, and if you're if you're talking about you know pushing Cesaro, guess what? He's beating Kevin Owens. He's performing yeah. super well in a four way. You know, it looks like that's what your match is going to be at payback is Cesaro and the Miz. And um, so they're not doing Zack Ryder. I mean, Zack Ryder, we talked about is, is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's back to where he was. Emma wasn't anywhere. They kind of did the Emma and Becky Lynch continuation on the YouTube page, <laughs> not was, on raw, but on YouTube. That was a great Becky promo. Oh, the Becky promo was fantastic. <laughs> if you haven't seen this Becky promo go, uh, I actually placed it in Jeff Hawkins raw review up at voicesofwrestling.com. I put the Becky Lynch promo right after Jeff uh, talks about no Becky, no Sasha on this show. I wanted to give you some Becky Lynch and I wanted to put that promo up there. So if you go to voicesofwrestling.com, Jeff Hawkins, Raw Review, uh, the video is up there of Becky Lynch kind of giving a little bit of a jab at Emma. You know, Emma talks about I'm stealing things. Well, I'm not the one who steals things, wink, wink. But yes, uh, my, my, my Raw Review featuring yes, Rob Carrot's punctuation. Um, putting my punctuation in there plus <laughs> videos plus uh whatnot you know i changed the words of things here and there um, um, made things mean different things if i didn't agree with jeff's sentiment so uh go check it out go check it out what um the newly but, corrected uh, voices yes. of wrestling rundown <laughs> you had the uh you had the aj style sammy Zayn match which was great yep. i thought i'm sure there were logical plots like i agree with a lot of the sentiment about the rematch clause which i don't like as a trope anyways well it, it's interesting but if you're gonna always do the rematch clause and make it seem like yeah they're kind of their hands are tied like steve austin would always do it we're talking years and years where the authority figure just can't do anything about it because the rematch clause is in the contract and you can't just say no i'm not going to give it to you you can add stipulations make it tough but you have to give the wrestler their rematch and instead shane mcmahon said no i'm just not going to do that for you and that yeah. was the way out of kevin owens not getting an yeah. intercontinental title rematches no I'd rather just not. But hell, <laughs> logically though, if you're Shane McMahon, like you're not running raw full time. You were brought back on a whim. You're you're here. You don't have to follow anyone's rules. Who's to say that Kevin Owens doesn't go after payback and say, "Hey Vince, knock knock. Guess what? This person you put in charge fucked me over, and I deserve my contract. If you want me to own Raw and sue this place to the ground, you better give me my rematch back." So there's still there's still time for that to happen down the road. Um but uh, yeah, this this raw was absolutely uh, I just thought thrilling and fantastic, and we enjoyed it so much so that we should probably just go down and talk about the key things on Raw. But before okay. we do that, I have a new segment, Jeffrey. Oh, I don't have any imaging for it. I don't have any music for it. I just will say this: it's a new segment called Rob's Reasons Why Pro Wrestling Is Awesome. This is a segment where I go through my various list of reasons, not in order, just, you know, kind of the reasons that uh, kind of popped up on Raw last night. 
All I can think of is the NXT power rankings, which has oh, gone by the wayside. Nope, we're going to bring the power rankings back. <laughs> we're going to bring the power. You know, there was just too much of a shuffling. I didn't want to make it crazy. We'll we'll bring back the NXT power rankings. Get, don't drop the bit here, Jeff. Where we I will not we, drop the bit. We start not, a, we start a I'm segment, not, and maybe we'll never get back to it. <laughs> much like Cheat the Ropes Theater, we could drive it into the ground. No, Rob, why is pro wrestling awesome? Well, I'm going to peruse the old list here. Oh, this one kind of fits in with what happened on Raw this week. Number 30,281. Reason why pro wrestling is awesome. Sami Zayn can wrestle Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, and Stardust in the span of two weeks. That is reason why, why, a reason why pro wrestling is awesome. Reason number 49,277. A guy like Dr. Phil can come out and out-promo Shane McMahon on WWE TV in 2016. Yes, both of those people were not only just on Raw, but Dr. Phil out-promoed Shane McMahon. And that, Jeff, is a reason why pro wrestling is awesome. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Dr. Phil. We will, but first, oh, reason number four <laughs> why pro wrestling is awesome. WWE fans can get super excited for a tag team that four months ago, everyone was calling boring and a waste of time. And they're now coming in to work fan favorites like the Dudley Boys and the Ascension. Yes, the Bullet Club came in to WWE last night. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows showed up on WWE TV four months ago. I couldn't hear anything, but oh my God, these guys are a waste. They're stale in the tag team division. Get them off my TV. And now we're all super hyped about them coming in. I agree. It's exciting. We'll talk about that. But first, let us do talk about Dr. Phil. Jeff, Dr. Phil last night on Raw was all over the show. And he was great. He was possibly one of the best guest stars they've ever had. He did really good. I mean, he's going in the Hall of Fame next year. In terms of a guy who comes in, gets it, buys in, has absolutely no self-awareness about himself doing it as I tweeted and you seem to like it, I believe um, during that Charlotte Flair backstage promo, he held on to his character and held his own with Rick Flair and Charlotte. Oh yeah. Better, better than Charlotte has since being brought up. And Charlotte was good in this segment. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Charlotte yeah. was really, really good in this segment, but, doc, but you know, people will corpse the break a little bit. Once it gets hot and heavy, they will be a bit, bit hesitant. Not Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil won a woo-off with Ric Flair. <laughs> That's impressive. And the, the only kind of clunky part was him being out there in the promo he cut about the women's division, which, which seemed very out of place. But other than that, his stuff, like the comedic reaction during the R, the Golden Truth segment, was fantastic. I thought he was great throughout the show. I know there have been a few people who have, who have kind of criticized him. I don't know why. And of course, you know, you, you make the, 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 the connection with, with a possible carny, <laughs> carny uh, connection on his own show. But I had no issues with Dr. Phil on this show. No. no, Dr. Phil was, uh, I mean, he was entertaining. People were groaning, I think, when he came in during the gold, golden truth segment. Uh, and, you know, they did it perfectly. He comes in, he looks and like, even I, Dr. Phil, the great and powerful, mm-hmm. cannot help gold dust and our truth with their sometimes problems. All, yeah. Sometimes all you need is a reaction. Yep. So he was really good. He was really good in the flare segment. I thought, uh, you know, coming out 
and doing commentary was fun. I like that the only guy that he uh, enjoyed doing commentary with was Byron Saxton because that's just perfect. They're two, they're two old white guys hanging out. Uh, so that, that was really good. Careful. (laughs) It was, uh, it was a fun segment. I, I enjoyed, uh, Dr. Phil on this show. And, and like I said, Shane McMahon again, coming out another week, opening the show and struggling. Shane is best in limited doses. And I think they did that fairly well to cover up his weaknesses here. I I always thought that Shane was really good when he was high energy, young Shane, you know, running around the ring, something Vince couldn't do. But now we can't be that guy anymore. He just comes out and he stands in the ring like Vince does. And the high energy is gone. And it's just not as good. Well, he's he's not chewing scenery like a heel authority figure should. Babyface authority figures on the whole, except for let me holla at you, playa, which he kind of did a little bit here when he made the tag match, uh, don't exude a lot of charisma necessarily because it just... It, it, gets everybody's doubt going that, okay, eventually he's going to turn heel and then it's going to become like this. I kind of like the understatedness. They need less of him. I liked his backstage statements where he was kind of, you know, keeping the show going, which is fascinating that he's getting credit for all these new stars being brought up in, in a corporate sense. It's fascinating, but you know, I had no real issue with him not being all that high energy. Cause I think it's also part of the sell of the undertaker injuries as well. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think so at all. I think The Undertaker is forgotten. Remember, Jeff, what happened at WrestleMania doesn't matter anymore. It, it may not matter, but that doesn't mean that, that, that Shane's not sounding injured because of it. And I mean, just because he is injured after it. I mean, this guy, the guy's still around. Do you think they, do you think they uh, have him run Raw next week, too? They do the whole storyline where, oh, my gosh, we had so much craziness. How about Shane runs Raw a third time? You know, with the shows being better, they're running a real risk here. You know, uh, oh, Shane was right in the fact uh, this was a uh, this was a talking point going into WrestleMania. Like the whole story was, you know, Raw has sucked. But what happens if Shane loses? Then you've just told fans Raw sucked, but we're going to keep it the way it is. And now right. it is different. I mean, it's high energy. Uh, you have new talents taking over. You don't have John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Triple H. I mean, your main events are constantly consisting of AJ Styles and, and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Now Cesaro is up there. The Miz is in a prominent position. Uh, you still have Roman Reigns and the Wyatt family in the real main events of, of these shows. But your main event of the next pay-per-view is going to be Roman and AJ Styles. And, and we'll have to find out what happens. But you're right. Their Raw has changed in the last two weeks. For the uh, better. For the better, too. I mean, it's been a really enjoyable show. And I'm not one who, you know, poo-pooed on WrestleMania because I, I actually liked WrestleMania, but uh, these, these Raw shows have been so much better. And not just because of the card, but also the way they've built to this card, this WWE payback show is looking like it could be one of the best pay-per-views this year based on, you know, the full years we've seen in the last recent years. Um, this, this payback show is looking really good between Styles and Roman Reigns, Cesaro and Miz, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn looks likely, Chris Jericho, Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. It's looking like a killer show. And they did a lot with guys that kind of needed rebuilding a little bit. I mean, the Miz stuff was is fantastic, and Maurice is a welcome addition to it. I loved the snobby Hollywood writer-type stuff. You know, the, 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 the homage to Van Halen's hatred of brown M&Ms in a bowl. I thought that was really good. Dean, 
Ambrose could be a little bit better, but this is what he is right now, and he's still very interesting to watch, and he was great with super serious Chris Jericho here. I thought not, I thought the tease of Sami Zayn being put in a triple threat was kept me on edge, and they kind of swerved us by not putting him in, because I think we were expecting him to go in and, oh, he'll take the sacrificial fall at first, but I liked this. I oh, liked yeah. This. Well, no, I thought, there was no I thought there was no doubt that Sami Zayn was going to lose to AJ Styles, or okay. that Kevin Owens would interfere. Or that Kevin Owens. Yeah, there was zero chance at a three-way payback. Zero. See, I was thinking once they kicked Kevin Owens out of the building, it was part of that, ooh, well, you know, but at least it gave me that intrigue. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, I bought in for a little bit. And that's good. And, and let me, t and Natty and Charlotte had their best match yep. on this show. The ending, I, I think the ending could have been executed a little bit better because I think it got the heat on the ref rather than the heat on Flair. Um, I personally would have had Charlotte kind of struggle with, threatening to tap and then have Rick pull out the ref and just punch the ref. And that way it's a pure disqualification rather than the ref can see her tapping while he's getting pulled out. And you're just like, Oh, come on, man. But other than that, but, but up until then, that match was great. I thought. Yeah, and, and definitely it, was Natty's best against Charlotte. Oh yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed the match too. I mean, the finishes it, you know, raw does this. They give you the yes. really long match to, to enjoy, but then the finish is going to be sucky because they're trying to build up this match on a pay-per-view. And if we give you every single bit of it, why would you watch the pay-per-view? Even though they gave you the, the part that most of the people in our bubble are going to be wanting to see the most. I mean, we really want to see the actual matches, but you need to get a finish there and we'll get the finish at payback. It, it really looks like they're going to go all the way to payback with Natalia versus Charlotte. Um, you know, Sasha Banks hurt right now. Bailey not on the main roster. Becky Lynch uh, getting her work in with Emma. Um, let me ask you this, though. Does Emma and Becky Lynch actually happen at Payback or the Payback pre-show? I'll even give you that one. Or is that a match that we'll see just, you know, on a SmackDown at some point? Hmm. I think more than likely it happens on the pre-show. I would like it on the main show because I think two women's matches on the main show would be a sign of an overall ro roster overhaul. I'd much rather have. Oh, you could. Uh, I think right I, now, the, right now, the matches that are up there, you can't. I would think say, I would say the pre-show is probably most likely. Um, the fact that they weren't even on raw. I mean, unless they just show up on SmackDown tonight and wrestle, the fact that they weren't on raw tells me they're going to build that up over the next couple of weeks, you know, get some, get some run out of it and go all the way to payback. And put it on I, the pre-show. That that Chicago I, crowd will be appreciative of Becky Lynch and Emma. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And th they're going to be appreciative of Emma. My my thing is, I'd like to give it a little bit of time. And the pre-show sometimes gives you time and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes I'd it gives rather, you a ton. Yeah, I, you know, I, they may just try and squeeze two again, like a Kalisto title defense here. But mm -hmm. I think with time, you could really rehab Emma here as well in a Becky Lynch match. I think Becky does need a little bit of rehabbing here. She needs a win to me, but I think Becky also needs to or not Becky, but Emma needs to look strong here in some way. And then you have a nice division really shaping up here. A nice division. That's what's happening. I mean, when you have Sasha Banks coming back, uh, there's going to be a lot going on there. This, this uh, episode of raw was intriguing for another reason. I referenced it uh, earlier, the bullet club. Mm -hmm. As most people know, these two guys by as uh, members of New Japan's Bullet Club, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Uh, Luke 
returned to the company. Carl Anderson debuted with the company last night on WWE Raw. They took out the Usos during this whole tag team tournament. Uh, I, I know when they announced the tag team tournament and they actually showed the brackets, I was trying to see if there was like a mystery team somewhere in there. Like maybe that's what they'll do. Um, full disclosure, we had gotten a hint um, and you know I was hinting at it on Twitter all night long. We had gotten basically hints that they were going to interfere with the Usos at some point on the show. We just didn't know what you know, was exactly going to happen. And they indeed came out and beat up the Usos. And uh, it looks like, I don't know if they're going to, you know, take them out of the tournament, if they're actually going to be paired with the Usos, or maybe they're just taking out any tag team they want. But they are here. Finn Balor is not. AJ Styles was not here a part of it. And it looks like your idea for the Roman Empire has crumbled. Uh, but Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are mm. sort of here even though they were treated like outsiders, I couldn't help but compare it to like uh, when Scott Hall debuted on WCW Nitro. Like they called them by their name. So at least there was that. Like we know who these guys are. It's Luke Gallows. It's Carl Anderson. But what are they doing here? And then they were kicked out. They were sent through the the crowd, not to the back of the arena. Uh, it, it's an interesting way to introduce these guys as kind of like outsiders to the promotion. I liked the introduction. It was short, sweet, to the point. It has an air of mystery about it because they may not even know who they're going to put these guys with, if anybody, just yet. I disagree that it crumbles my theory. I think it's perfect to attack the Usos if he's teaming with Roman Reigns because now he has a team he can count on rather than his family. I think who they attack next will give you some sort of hint. Um, and you know what? They could go with Reigns. They could go with AJ. They could go with Balor later. They could go with any either of those two, and then bring Balor in as the real mastermind behind the whole thing and turn on either one of those guys. I'm liking this. I like not knowing. And uh, and uh, it, it'll be intriguing from here. It is intriguing, yeah, because, I mean, from all accounts right now, if you're just looking at it right now, they haven't left anything closed, obviously. Everything is still wide open. Um, you, can, you can go and say they're just going to be another tag team in this division, but hey, the tag team division is growing and it's growing with those who are seemingly more important. They're bringing back Primo and Epico. You have the villains who just debuted, who are going to be, you know, again, they weren't on raw this week. They're going to be on SmackDown. You have the Usos who are, you know, one of the veterans of that division right now, the Dudley boys, Enzo and Cass. Uh, this is not a division of just, Oh, there's 10 teams, but none of them matter. This is a division where six of the 10 teams kind of matter. I would agree. <laughs> He's Epico, Ep, Epico and Primo. Prelims are terrible <laughs> in terms of establishing them as a team. I, you know, I and you still have. I mean, you still have teams in in NXT that are fascinating. So I'm I'm glad they haven't cannibalized anything just yet. Also, yeah, I'd, but but you're right. It left a, a wide open. We have questions, but we don't have answers yet. Correct. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I'm absolutely fine with not being ahead of the story here. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get Enzo and Cass versus the Dudleys in the tournament at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested to see what they do with the VOD villains here. I really am, because right now, as you said last week, they, they've been relegated to SmackDown. So do they win a match and then become sacrificial to whoever the face team on one side is? Or do they win a couple on SmackDown and then appear on Raw as big deals? That that would be intriguing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have them wrestle so soon. Um, 
And if you have this, uh, maybe you even play it within the Shane McMahon power storyline. Like, you know, who are these guys? Oh, Shane's bringing them in, but they haven't been signed to wrestling contracts because I don't technically run raw. I was just bringing these guys in for the show I was running. So oh, you mean Bullet Club? Yeah. Or, like, like, okay. I was, I was talking about the Vaude Villains. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I was but, like, okay. Where that comes from? I don't even give a shit about the Vaude Villains. I got to be okay. honest. I, okay. they could go away tomorrow and I won't care one bit. Um, right. But Bullet Club, yeah. And, you know, you had Gallows and Anderson kind of play up to the Bullet Club a little bit. They weren't doing the click hand signal or anything, but they had their own little gun hand signal. And, uh, and Carl Anderson uh, looks a little weird, uh, you know, getting tan and ready the big spotlight um but no they they look good you can see that carl anderson's been prepping for this debut i mean looks looks in good shape those two <laughs> boys uh those two boys are going to be uh settling up this tag team division here what is, what is the one team in wwe that you most want to see against carl anderson and doc gallows brothers of destruction <laughs> yeah but we kind of already saw gallows and the undertaker yeah, and, or, uh, we but we actually saw both the undertaker and kane would um, I, you mean out of established tag teams right now? I would say any. Yeah, you can't just put two wrestlers together and say, here I'd, we go. I'd love to see if we could do a throwback match of some kind and bring back ECW era Dudleys. I'd love to see the Dudleys versus these two in just a brawl. Well, no, the, none of the none of the was up spots or Devon get the tables. Just old school, angry Dudleys against these guys. I tell you what, the Dudleys are an interesting kind of, uh, you know, tag team right now. They're kind of the focal point for what you could do with Enzo and Cass and for what you can do with Gallows and Anderson. Because you're right, a promo battle between Luke Gallows and Bully Ray would be quite fascinating in WWE world. Um, I would love to see those two teams go. Now, it really is interesting because, again, we talk about, you know, four months ago, if you're a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, you know, Gallows and Anderson have kind of been stinking up the joint in the tag team scene for a little while. Maybe it's just because they were stale and there weren't a lot of other teams to face. But them going up against the Dudleys doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that they're going to be much better in the ring. The Dudleys aren't super great in the ring at this stage. But WWE is entertainment-based. you got to talk people into the building. And so far, Enzo and Cass are tar- talking people in. Uh, mm-hmm. Bubba Ray did a really good job going up against Enzo. And Enzo has... We, I was pretty confident. I think you were pretty confident too, but we still had our questions. Like, how would Enzo actually do up against Bubba Ray specifically? And we got a little bit more of that last night, and he did perfectly. Uh, they were excellent. This tag team division, if you have Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows in there, the Dudley boys, the Usos, uh, Enzo and Cass, there's a lot of different ways you can go. The matches, no matter the combination, I don't think are going to be, you know, super great, but I'm They're going to be standard WWE. Yeah, they're all going to be standard WWE, but really that's standard what Gallows and Anderson have been doing. So it's not like they're going mm-hmm. down a peg. You're you're no. getting Anderson and Gallows. You're getting true Anderson and Gallows. And then there's still time if you want to put someone with them and actually make a club, make a faction. You still can whether it's Finn Balor, whether it's Roman, whether it's AJ Styles, whether it's someone completely random. Maybe it's some other new guy from the from the uh developmental roster. Maybe maybe they just decide to go their Shane. own way with it. Yeah, or Shane. I hope they don't go that route. Yeah, I mean, I hope they don't do like, yeah, because they powers did. corrupted him, and yeah. now we need to win the WWE back. I'm hoping no. all those long, I'm hoping all those long looks by Shane aren't 
meant to kind of go, oh, he has ulterior motives here. What could they be? His motives but, already but have been me- placed. He, his motive was to take over Raw. He had the lock box that is now yeah. gone. And he lost. <laughs> you <laughs> just me- if I lose something, like if I lose the World Series, can I just call for another World Series game and win it? Sure. You if can. I if I lost four of seven and I and now I'm the I'm the Royals or whatever, and I'm losing four of seven, and I just say, you know what, let's play a fifth. Let's keep this going here, just because I want to. Doesn't make sense. But it's entertaining. If they keep doing what they've been doing the last two weeks on Raw, I will be completely fine with it. Yeah, and the LA crowd got it with Cass and Enzo very quick. Yeah, they oh yeah, very oh, yeah. quick because it was about fifty fifty to start, but they they caught on as it as it as it went. It, it's LA crowds are kind of half casual, half hardcore, so they have to learn a little bit here, which which was fascinating to me when it came to Roman Reigns quite a bit because LA has always been a friendly city for, for Reigns for the most part. And and tonight they weren't, but uh, for Enzo and Cass, they they got it, and it looks like uh, looks like Enzo and Cass are going to be fine until uh, until booking possibly takes over. But until that time, enjoy the ride. I uh yeah, I, the Los Angeles crowd. I mean, Carl Anderson, formerly of Los Angeles, you know, ten years ago, living there. Um, not that anyone would really think of him as a Los Angeles guy, but that had to be pretty cool, you know, debuting in WWE and you know, in an area he lived at for a short time. Uh, and they're here. They're here. Where do they go next? I don't know. But we had the tag team division winners of the tournament. We had two of the matches last night on Raw. We had the other two first round matches tonight. A little bit surprised it was an eight-man tournament, an eight-team tournament. Like, I was, I knew we'd been talking about it. I knew they had that many teams. But at the same time, when you actually see it all back-to-back, it's kind of a little weird that, oh, my God, yeah, there are just so many teams in WWE. And there were teams that weren't even in the tournament. You know, Primo and Epico, the guys that haven't shown up back yet. They didn't have to bring anyone from NXT except for the VOD villains. And it makes me think the VOD villains were brought up just for this tournament and that there's really no other idea for them other than to be a tag team in this tournament. Um, I want to bring up the brackets here. Uh, the New Day went on for about twice as long as they should have in their promo. That That's worrying mm-hmm. to me that they keep having them go out there and too much of a good thing is going to fall and, and going to crumble underneath them because. The New Day, I thought, were going on there and entertaining the crowd, but then at a seemingly great point to stop, they just kept going. Yes. And you can tell the crowd's going to get tired of it uh, quickly. But so far, we had the, uh, what do we got? The Dudley Boys winning their match. Mm-hmm. So they'll go on. Enzo and Cass, for sure, are going to win their match. So it should be Enzo and Cass versus the Dudleys, unless the Dudleys somehow uh, you know, take out Enzo and Cass, ruining their first match. But I just don't see Enzo and Cass losing their first match on the main roster. Uh, we had Golden Truth, who will be on the uh, on the show tonight, SmackDown. And your other tag team winners were the Usos. The Usos winning their match over the Social Outcasts before the jump and the beatdown from Guns and Gallows. Heath Slater, really good in that match. Heath Slater too. was really good. At, you know, they're, they're fun. They're fun, those guys, those rap scallions in the Social Outcasts. <laughs> okay, I was just going with Heath, but... No, I think they're all entertaining and fun and great, and they're all the best. All four of them are the best of all time. (laughs) Enzo and Cass are going up against the Ascension. Like, a lot of this tournament screams, screams developmental. It's really fun. 
Um, because you have the VOD villains in there. You have uh, Enzo and Cass. You have the Ascension, Lucha Dragons. Um, I don't know. Well, what they're, they're doing. They're doing the smart thing though with the guys they're bringing up. They're having them, with the exception of Baron Corbin. Yeah. They're all working with guys they've been they've worked with before in right. development. They're comfortable. Yeah. They're yeah. comfortable. Um. So the the actual uh tournament here is the Usos versus Social Outcasts. Usos won. Golden Truth and Vaude Villains. So Vaude Villains are most likely going to go up against the Usos. Do you see the Vaude Villains actually beating the Usos? Maybe because of Gallows and Anderson, or the Usos going all the way to the finals? Oh, I think the Vaude Villains probably win that match. Yeah, due, due the, to an injury, or one of them's injured, and they work on the shoulder, and they or, and and what have you. I'm not sure the Bullet Club reappears here, but I think that yeah, the, uh, they may not. Win. They may not. Uh, Enzo and Cass going up against the Ascension. I mean, Enzo and Cass have to win that one. They'll face on the Dudley boys. So Enzo and Cass, the Dudleys, going to happen here in the semifinals, most likely, and not at Payback. Maybe it yeah. happens at Payback again if the Dudleys don't win the tournament, maybe. I, I think what happens is Enzo and Cass get the first win, and then the Dudleys cost them the, the next match. Yeah. Uh, so, I yeah, I, I kind of think the, the finals here will be... Everyone, I think, is going with the Usos and the Dudley boys at a rematch of WrestleMania, but I would say there's some wrench going to be thrown in here somewhere. Mm, yeah. You know what? I could, I could actually see the Vaude Villains and Enzo and Cass. If they wanted to yeah. do that. Vaude Villains, Enzo, and Cass. And then maybe the Vaude Villains even win because also remember the New Day are your tag champs and they're baby faces. So are you going to do baby face versus baby face? Are you going to do heel? Right. Vaude Villains yeah. and New Day can happen at payback. And then you do Dudley Boys, Enzo, and Cass. Um, and then Usos and Anderson and Gallows, if you really want to. I mean, this could be a tag team heavy show that mm-hmm. also gets us a lot of matches for payback, like a lot of matches. Yeah, and Orica just see, you know, the Gallows and Anderson just killing, maybe killing everyone. Usos, maybe the Usos do get through, or maybe Enzo and Cass do get through, and they get destroyed, and then those two go up against the New, new Day. I was watching, uh, I tweeted about it at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. I tweeted about it just a little bit because I thought it was interesting. I went to the WWE YouTube page to mm-hmm. check out the views of all the highlight clips from last night's Raw to see what most people were kind of checking out and getting excited about. And I don't know if it's because it was, you know, the, the Anderson and Gallows debut happened during the Usos and Outcasts match and segment. So the segment was labeled the Usos versus Social Outcasts, which to me wouldn't scream that, oh, I have to watch this video. I got to find out what happened in this particular match. If you didn't know Gallows and Anderson debuted or didn't know where in the show they debuted or whatever the case may have been, you may not have been checking out this video just for that. But I was looking at the view counts and the most viewed highlight clip from last night's Raw is the main event clip. The Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt teaming up against Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio. Uh, mm-hmm. That you can probably see. I mean, among casuals, Roman Reigns is kind of a big deal and Roman Reigns wasn't the main event. Uh, that would be seemingly the most important thing on the show. You had, um, so to put it in perspective, uh, about 850,000 people or views, view starts, 850,000 views. Uh, for that segment compared to the Usos match, which is relatively low compared to other things on the show too, uh, 390,000 views, 390 to 850 uh, views for the Anderson and Gallows debut. And then if you look at Sami Zayn and AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, AJ Styles was about 200,000 more views than Gallows and Anderson. Are we sometimes stuck? in the bubble a little bit too much that we think, Oh my gosh, this, the biggest moment of the show was Anderson and Gallows debuting where fans 
are saying, no, that's not the biggest thing. I want to go relive the great AJ Styles and Sami Zayn match, or I want to go relive um, the highlight reel is another segment that did far better than the Usos social outcast match with the debut. So um, there, there were other things that people wanted to go back and relive or check out more than the Anderson and Gallows debut. Yeah, that's the bubble. And, it, and it's also the fact that more mainstream fans care about the, the main event angle yep. on Raw, and they care about the guys who they've already gotten to know on TV, will, which are all those guys. I mean, true. nobody that's really true. knows Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson other than New Japan fans or maybe Ring of Honor fans. They're not the WWE universe, which is a universe. That's what I learned at WrestleMania, as, as I talked about with you uh, a couple weeks ago. I, they'll, their time will come. Their interest will come if they engage the viewers as a badass threat of a team. But not now. Not on the debut. It, word of mouth needs to spread. Yeah. And, and it probably will. Like, hey, these guys uh, debuted. Even those who are familiar with them, but maybe just don't watch Raw. Like, oh, those two guys debuted. I'll check out a segment or two. I'll see what they're doing. Um, I will say this in their favor. They did a better view count than the backstage segment with Dr. Phil and the Flares. They did a better view count than that segment. They also did a better view count, just barely, than Maurice feeding the Miz domestic water accidentally. Well, people are going to... Word of mouth, if I told you Dr. Phil was in a sketch with the Flares, what would you say, just not knowing if you had never watched it? Oh, I bet... I bet he wooed him and he wooed I bet her. It sucked. And, I bet the comedy was comedy was cringeworthy. You know, you have those cynical fans, <clears throat> such as myself, <laughs> who, right. would probably, who would probably right. skip that on pure description. But you know, it, it it'll come. Let's uh, let's talk about this main event. Let's talk main about event. this main event. We had Bray Wyatt, who uh, you know promised anyone but Roman. Well, they picked Roman, so now he's kind of just settled into that fact. Uh, we had Shane McMahon putting Bray Wyatt in a tag team match with Roman Reigns going up against Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio. No Wade Barrett on the show. So Wade Barrett did not get any revenge on the League of Nations tonight. Uh, but they for all we know, he just made it gone. They mentioned him, but they mentioned him because it was an angle that happened last week. Will he come back and get revenge? We'll see. Maybe he just goes away forever. Uh, but yet Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus going up against Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt. Uh, they worked together. There was some dissension just for like, okay, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I'm going to, you know, be the one who starts this match and so on. But overall, they kind of worked together. And, you know, Roman Reigns protected Bray at the finish by giving a spear uh, to whoever it was, Sheamus or Del Rio. And uh, they kind of face off at the end, but nothing, nothing comes to blows with these two guys. They, they just face off and, and that's it. A, a few things about this match. Uh, Bray has a, swagger that Dean Ambrose should have that kind of anti-authority on the edge a little loosey-goosey at times where you're just not sure how he's going to act that's what Dean Ambrose should be right now but I love Bray doing this I loved him as a baby face in peril and as a baby face on fire after getting a hot tag from Roman he was great here the League of Nations had a great double team move with that homage to demolitions finisher except the backbreaker and the stomp I thought that was fantastic. And you haven't seen the gif of this yet. Watch the end of this match when Bray uh, blocks the cross arm breaker and goes into the sister Abigail, makes the cover. He points to Seamus right at the same time as Roman spears him. And it's just an 
awesome looking visual that that really makes the ending of this match. I thought I thought this was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And I don't enjoy the League of Nations all that much, but I thought Bray Wyatt here, you know, and I was thinking, well, maybe they call back anyone but you, and maybe that comes later. But well, they were referencing that all was, show. Great, yeah. Um, they were referencing the you know the history between them. They didn't reference, I don't think, directly the anyone but you, but they referenced their contentious history and how are these two going to work together. So at least you were like, okay, you know, it's not like they decided to team together. It was Shane McMahon putting them. You know, Bray Wyatt's current enemy was the League of Nations. So it, it's not like he's been pissed off at Roman Reigns still uh, for, for a year. So uh, yeah, it worked. It worked. The main event was cool. It was fun. By that point, though, I will be honest, I had kind of checked out of Raw. I was like, I saw Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles, which was great. I saw Kevin Owens and Cesaro, which was great. I saw the debut of Guns and Gallows. I, I saw a lot on the show that I was really excited about mm-hmm. that the main event kind of came on and I was just like, you know what? I can't wait to watch better call Saul. And, and this match was kind of going on in the background. It's fair. Cause it's Roman reigns. I was watching it mostly for Bray and yeah. seeing how he'd act as a baby face. Yeah. So, and that's another match we can kind of put on the docket for payback is uh, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman and Eric Rowan going up against the uh, league of nations. And you have Roman Reigns and AJ Styles. So, I mean, this this payback card is kind of built. How many matches would that be? If we go Roman Reigns and AJ Styles, that's one. Count along with me, everybody. One. Bray Wyatt and this Wyatt family against the League of Nations. Two. Eight. Uh, what do we got? Sami Zayn, <laughs> Kevin Owens. Sami Zayn, Kevin Run. Owens. Two. You can't get lost yet. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Cesaro and The Miz. Four. Charlotte. And Natalia. Five. Tag team match number one, which is the tag team title match. Six. Tag team tie or tag team match two, which is going to be likely Enzo and the Duds. Seven. Becky Lynch and Emma. Eight. Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho. Nine. And possibly tag team match number three, which could be something with Anderson and Gallows. Let's just have another six and a half hour card. <laughs> Could be a long one. And I, I may have even left out one on that. Yeah. I may have left out something. But uh yeah, that's what it's uh that's what it's looking like. A big, a big important, a big important show coming up here in payback. In Chicago, Illinois, Jeff Hawkins. So it's gonna be a big one. It's gonna have a lot of crowd reactions. They're gonna be uh well behind Natalia. They're gonna be well behind AJ Styles. So there is a lot going on. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura has been hitting the road with WWE and NXT. He's also booked for some WWE main roster tours coming up. Uh, so Shinsuke Nakamura will get to, uh, go around with the main roster a little bit. Uh, they're getting their money's worth out of him so far because he wrestled, you know, two times at access. He wrestled on the takeover show. He wrestled on, uh, you know, two of the shows this weekend, maybe even three of the nationwide tours for NXT this Mm -hmm. weekend. Uh, dude's getting some work in the Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, he and Oscar are doing the Pacific Rim shows. I they are doing that Hawaii. as well. They're doing yeah. Hawaii. They're doing, yeah, they're, they're doing some shows out there. Um, you know, Baron Corbin was on the NXT shows this weekend just because the main roster was, you know, off as they go to Europe now. And he probably just wasn't ready for the European tour just because of all, you know, the documents that have to get ready and whatnot. Um, Roman Reigns kind of has his gimmick on the main roster. Now he does. He didn't before. Yeah. He didn't yeah, before. 
But yeah, you you debut Baron Corbin, and then Roman Reigns immediately shifts to where he kind of is Baron Corbin. Like, no one's up to my level. I'm going to be dismissive of the indie favorites. I'm going right. to respect the, you know, the guys who I should respect, who Vince respects, the Bray Wyatts of the family. You know, Roman Reigns would probably come in and shake Kane's hand. But oh, you've get- won titles in other federations, but not this one. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's uh, they they got some stuff going on. They got some stuff going on uh, with uh, with Roman Reigns. So it, it's an interesting uh, dynamic you have there with Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. Uh, that's another one. I mean, God, you put a Baron Corbin match on the pay-per-view. That's 11. All right, we are back after some technical difficulties. Jeff Hawkins, it is time for the top 100 matches on WWE Network to see before you die. We are at match number 39. We are ever so gently making our way to the top 10 uh, 39 from ECW's hostile city showdown 1995. This was a super card uh, the matches, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Now this not, this is not listed as a pay-per-view on the WWE network, right? This was listed uh, for those who maybe uh, didn't get your announcement last week, or maybe haven't seen it, but want to, after this, where can the people find this match? Under the, Hardcore television under the year, or ECW television, under the year 1995, episode 106. Episode 106 of ECW Hardcore Television, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko from Hostile City Showdown. This I, I was surprised when we were going back all the way to 1995. Um, you know, when you're watching this match here, it happened in the ECW arena. Uh, mm-hmm. The main event of the show, this super card, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk, you know, we're going through the match card, the Sandman and Shane Douglas. I was amazed that the public enemy went 19 minutes with the pit bulls of all teams. Raven and Tommy dreamer still feuding all the way early in 1995. Uh, you called this when we were talking about the show, you called this the sweet spot of ECW for you. Yeah. I was a senior in college at this time and ECW to put in modern parlance in the wrestling bubble. Amongst RSPW and uh, and Prodigy and your AOLs, if you think about how people talk about PWG and how hot a ticket it is, and how people are excited about every card, that was how we talked about ECW at this time, because you had these great technical wrestlers from New Japan, your, your Eddie Guerrero's, your uh, your Benoit's, your Malenko's. You had your hardcore wrestling, which was kind of the homage to the FMW crowd, who, which was really picking up steam. You had Sabu coming in, and you also had a mix of veterans who were kind of crossing in between WWF and WCW at this time. You'd have Ron Simmons, Cully Blanchard had come back for a program in early 95 that I, I had gone to. Um, Shane, this is Shane Douglas's last card, I believe, before going to uh, become Dean Douglas for a while. Um, the Steiners come in. Ron Simmons came in. Too Cold Scorpio was here to kind of rehab himself. And then in a few months, you'd get a group of luchadors coming in, such as Rey Mysterio Jr., La Parca, Psychosis, Conan. It was really, really a hot promotion where, you know, anybody from the independent scene or the international scene, Paulie might book for something. Chris Jericho would come in as well. So it's a very exciting time. Um, and, and Paulie really knew how to market and, and build teams and factions 
ECW that made it really, really exciting. It was a tag team federation for a long time. You had bad company. You had uh, from the AWA, you had, you know, you had uh, public enemy. Benoit and Malenko were a really kick-ass team and nobody ever mentioned their size or anything like that, like, like they would in WCW or WWF. You just knew they were ass-kicked. And then you had this match, which is historically significant for the fact that it would be the first in a series of quite a few matches between Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. This is my Eddie Guerrero here. This version, the Los Gringos Locos, or just right after Los Gringos Locos, Eddie Guerrero. I am not the biggest fan of Latino because I find the portrayal of the character insulting. I know it was entertaining to a lot of people. I know a lot of people, including including the goddess that she is, Sasha Banks, holds him in very, very high regard for that period of time. But to me, this is my Eddie. And he did improve his ring work later. But this match is great um, because the first half is Dean Malenko being very, very technical, very, as, as Joe Lanza, our friend on Voices of Wrestling, might say, grapple fuckery going on. Um, your mat-based style uh, with some choreography involved. And then the second half is really Eddie showing off aerial maneuvers while trying to get close pins. And like you said, it's a time limit draw because this builds a program for about a good four or five months. Also very interesting, if you've been to independent shows of late, is the crowd, because this is the time when ECW is starting to get some renown for the hardcore stuff, for the Sabu stuff. So you start getting what we like to call the mutants. You used to have a very respectful crowd that would clap for everything, but would still kind of love the bloodshed at the same time. Sometime during this match, someone starts a Sabu chant, and they, this crowd turns on that guy and tries to get him thrown out and whatnot. And you, you watch Ty Dye guy. In the front row, he's trying to tell people, watch the match, watch the match, which is fascinating because you'll see that kind of behavior in indie crowds now where someone will go boring during, you know, a really good technical match and everybody will just shout him down. But what this match is important for, this isn't even the best Malenko Guerrero match, in my opinion, in ECW. I think maybe their last one, which was two out of three falls in August, right before they got signed to WCW might have been good. They also do a, this starts a series of matches for the television title, which made the television title very important. It was there be matches between them and Too Cold Scorpio and Chris Benoit. This was your, this was the work rate title, so to speak. The next month, they would do three matches in two nights in three different cities called the Malenko Guerrero Classic, which was great. And it got, that's what I believe got the attention of WCW officials to eventually sign them away. I believe. All three matches were in the greater Pennsylvania area. One might have been in Florida and two might have been in Pennsylvania. I might be wrong on my history there. But all these matches are just fantastic. And for me, this kind of wrestling is what brought ECW to the place. Not the hardcore stuff, not the violence, not the sexuality, not the pile driving of women, which also happens on this TV show. Uh, spoiler alert, 21 years later. but. Uh, a great match, a great introductory match to what Benoit and Malenko meant to independent wrestling before getting brought up to WCW. And uh, very much worth your while as 30 minutes of watching two of the best ever compete. The shame Dean Malenko didn't get his due in WWF to me uh, because of his size. He did have those cruiserweight matches, but once you're yeah, labeled a had, cruiserweight, we had kind of. 
um, the one match we had on this top yeah. 10 or top 100 countdown was the Dean Malenko match with Scotty Tuati of all people, which is very good, which is very good. Don't get me wrong. I like that match. a lot. Yeah. So but this, this is, uh, they yeah, this, never laid them cruiserweights in the ECW. They just, right. they were competitors they and they were yeah, bad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is what the WWE.com, when they uh, list this number 39, this is what they say about it. And basically what, uh, you know, you have with the farewell match. Though to, though their two out of three falls farewell match later in the summer would become the stuff of legend Malenko and Guerrero's time limit draw in May of 1995 was no less mesmerizing, whereas the ECW fair faithful were all but obligated to applaud Malenko and Guerrero on the night of their sendoff. The standing ovation in response to this half-hour draw felt more organic, less expected, and truly emblematic of the pair's artistic struggle. Yeah, all their matches are great to look out for. And I'll, I'll give you another match to, to try and find on the network. I think it's on the network, but it's a fascinating pairing because they would always do these weird six fans in ECW combining heels and faces. And it, and it plays in this feud at the same time. Listen to this. And it's a great match. It's Cactus Jack, Two Cold Scorpio, and Dean Malenko on one team versus the Steiner brothers and Eddie Guerrero on the other team. I highly recommend it. It's a fun, fun one. Did you see uh, Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheet has a story today about Scott Steiner? Yes. How he was a witness for a road rage slash drive shooting, a drive, kind of a drive by, but really just two guys were chasing each other and one shooting at the other. And Scott oh, Steiner, yeah, Scott <laughs> Steiner, the crazy man, is just kind of there in his jacket and his, his baseball cap on and his glasses. And he's like, this is kind of a mellow area. I'm surprised this was happening. I love Scott Steiner. He's Isn't Scott Steiner famous for running someone off the road in a road rage incident? No, he's famous for being great at pro wrestling. <laughs> Reason number six, <laughs> 35, that pro wrestling is awesome. Literally, that Scott Steiner exists. That is reason number six, whatever I said. Um <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, that is it for Shake Them Ropes. Next week on the uh, on the show, we are going to continue our top 100 countdown. It is number mm-hmm. 38 on the top 100 from Elimination Chamber 2014. Can't believe this is already two years ago. The Shield versus the Wyatt family. Uh, what many regard as their best match together. The Shield and the Wyatt family from Elimination Chamber 2014. So we are going to watch and talk about that time period in that match. And see if you can find the parallels between the Wyatts and the League of Nations feud within that. Yeah. For you uh, in Europe who are excited to see WWE coming your way, The Undertaker, while he's not going to be on as many shows as was announced earlier, he is still coming to the European tour. What do you think about that, Jeff? That all these Undertaker retirement rumors and that he was pulled from events. Undertaker is going to go on the European tour after all, and he's going to appear on at least one SmackDown. Does that mean anything? Oh, it means he's fulfilling his commitments and the European fans really wanted to see him and he rarely goes there. That's all I thought of it. I didn't buy into the retirement rumors at all. Yeah, I, I don't believe in the retirement rumors. I think next WrestleMania will come around. He better. If Shane's running Raw and Undertaker never wrestles at WrestleMania again, why don't you just beat him? Just have Shane win. Things would be so much easier. Just do that. But they didn't. They didn't. And this is what we got. But Here's hoping that a, another great WWE Monday Night Raw comes our way next week. And Jeff, you and I will talk again next Tuesday on Shake Them Ropes.
You're listening to Shake Them Ropes, a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com for news, commentary, opinion, podcasts, and more in the world of pro wrestling. This episode of Shake Them Ropes is brought to you by the Voices of Wrestling Amazon affiliate link. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon to shop on Amazon like normal at no extra cost to you. Every purchase you make, a portion goes to help support the growth of VoicesOfWrestling.com. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon. Whenever you're looking to shop through Amazon, make sure you go through the Voices of Wrestling affiliate link. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon. Follow Rob McCarran on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. Follow Jeff Hawkins on Twitter at CrapGame13. Shake Them Ropes is available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Downcast, and any RSS reader you may be using. All the information is at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash STR. Subscribe today, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Enjoy the show, we hope to keep you around here at Shake Them Ropes. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.